Hello, my name is John, and welcome to Foot on the Rock. Hey guys, I'm so excited to release this episode. I sat down with brother Michael Haramchik. He is from Serbia, and he has some very illuminating thoughts about the church over at Serbia, but also the transitioning from a third world country church to a first world country church. And I feel like the conversation that we had was very impactful. So let's get right into the episode. Alrighty, Brother Michael Hramšik, how are you doing today, my friend? Hello, hello. I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Um, so I'm actually really glad to be sitting down here with you. Uh, you and I have known each other for about a year and a half now. And in that time, I find that our friendship has grown very well. Uh, I've heard your story, your testimony, where God has brought you through, what God is doing in your life, and what you feel God is currently leading you to do. All mm-hmm. these things are wonderful, and I hope that uh, the Lord will lead us into some conversation on that. But uh, I typed up some questions. I did send it to you, and let's just get into the first one. Uh, will you uh, introduce yourself for us? Hello. Well, first of all, I just want to say it's a uh... Always a pleasure to be here, talk with you, as always, and uh, I'm grateful for that opportunity. Uh, my name is Michael. Uh, I'm 23 years old. I'm, uh, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Tatiana, for two years now, and I come from Serbia. I'm also third-generation apostolic. I've been raised in the church my whole life, and uh, I came to the USA about two years ago now, so that's kind of summary of my story so far wonderful Alrighty. so you and i talk scripture a lot you and i like to discuss it uh ultimately when you and i are together we ult- uh, we just sit down and hash out a scripture and you tackle yeah. it what uh what is currently like your favorite scripture or topic that you are uh, studying right now well i'm i'm on and off these days just because of the process and where i'm at in life uh, the lord is just, you know, leading me through different stuff. And uh, as, as we go through seasons in life, different scriptures comes to life and we see different things throughout the Bible. But uh, I currently find most of what I read and what God talks to me through in, uh, in the Old Testament, mostly, to be honest, probably Ecclesiastes and Judges and stuff like that. And I also find a great inspiration in Apostle Paul and his life and his story, I've, I found it very amazing. And it, it, it really talks to me deeply, uh, just just in general, whatever he has been through, all, all the circumstances and everything just, yeah, they, they, they really come to life when you go through similar stuff and you really start to notice, you know, different kind of things than when you're just reading it like, oh, this is just another story. This is just, you know, another book in a bible but when you go through some stuff and then you see it in a bible it, it it it's really something you know it's it's comforting and it's also like you know you can find a lot of wisdom there how to approach things and stuff like that so yeah but uh one of my favorite scriptures uh and that's that's been my motto if i if i can say it that way or or like a mantra that that i've been just saying and speaking is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. And the scripture says that whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. And 
when I first read that scripture, it was just, I was probably 14, 15 years old. And I was like, wow, this is really something. And uh, God just spoke to me, spoke to me that, that time. And I told myself, this is who you're going to become. This is what you're going to do. You're not really going to go around and ask, oh, God, what is your will? Of course, you. I. everybody needs to know God's will. But for me, it was more like approach. What I found here is whatsoever thy hand find it, do it. Do it with all thy might. And I really try to live that with everything I am. And another scripture that comes to mind when I think about this thing is Judges in chapter four, when we talk about Gideon and we know that Gideon was the sm- from the smallest tribe of Benjamin and he was the sm- smallest family in the tribe of Benjamin. So he, w- he wasn't really something that people looked and they were like, oh, this is a great man. This man has a potential or whatever in that case. But when the angel of the Lord came and he told him, you're the mighty man of valor. And he was like, no, I mean, I'm the smallest. I'm nobody around. And very, very interesting thing that angel told him. And angel told him in verse 14. And and the Lord looked upon him and said, go in thy might. And you shall deliver Israel from Midianites. He didn't say go in my strength. I'm strengthening you. I'm giving you power. I'm giving you wisdom. No, no, no. The Lord says, go in thy might. Everything that you need for a victory, for this life, for circumstances, I already placed in you. You already have it within yourself. You just need to go. And I really, that's, that's, those are the verses that are currently just, just popping to me. And I found a lot of courage within them. Amen. Yeah, I can kind of see both of those scriptures like illuminated in your life. I mean, like I said earlier, you and I have known each other for about a year and a half now. And when I first like got to know you, it was at the end of a Mm -hmm. very impactful service in which Mm -hmm. uh, our our pastor uh, directed his gaze towards you. And he was just like, all right, uh, you've been here for the last like you were here the year before, but I wasn't quite at the church at that time. He was like, you've been here for the last two summers, and we feel, he was like, I feel that there is something that God has for you here, and Mm -hmm. uh, some of the, like, all the congregation lifted their hands to pray for you, and then he went up and prayed for you and your wife and your your brother. My brother, yes. Yes. And uh, from that moment, I I just saw this deep, deep, like, hunger go into your life, and it's like, you, you really haven't from what I've seen, you haven't really looked back on your decisions. You know that God is ordering your steps and you're walking in it confidently. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very awesome to see all the great stuff that you're doing. And these two scriptures talk about someone who considers themselves lowly compared to others. And you are an extremely humble person, which I can say you cannot. <laughs> um, you're an extremely Thank humble you. person. You're a servant first mindset type of person. And it's just very, very awesome to see that, you know, God, who has established you to be a servant for the church and a servant for his people, is also using you more than just in a servanthood place, but he's also placing you in a place of authority and power. It's just very awesome to see the duality of both of those positions, because God can trust you with humility. God can trust you with what he has already given you. 
to the point where he can now elevate you into this next part of your life, which I am very excited to see. God yeah, is currently well, equipping you uh, tremendously. Well, let me tell you, I never forgot that that service. It was it was just life changing, and uh, me, my wife, and my brother, we were just here on a on a student program. You know, just visiting. You know, working here for a summer. Never thought any, anything of it. You know, just it was our second year. We, I mean, we really loved the country, enjoyed everything. You know, stayed in Ocean City, worked there for a summer, and when we came from NAYC. We came to visit our old friends, Mike and Melissa McGurks. They've been to Serbia and we met them before and they were like, okay, you, you have to come and everything. And me and Mike talked a lot of, a lot about the things I've been going through back in Serbia and some of the struggles I've been through and all that. So he understood the situation. And so before that service, we actually went to lunch and he's been telling us some stuff, you know, just directly and the presence of God was there, man, I tell you. And then we come directly from from that lunch to service and pastor starts talking about the same direct stuff that me and Mike talked about just a couple of hours ago. And yeah, I mean, that was just, uh, it was life-changing, I tell you. Like, you know, <laughs> when I look back, I, I look at it as, a, as when the David came back and you know, his brothers were already there. A prophet was there and he was just, you know, he dumped the oil on his head and anointed amongst the brethren. You know, it was just life changing and everything. But of course, you know, you have those moments and then you go back to right where you are, you know, yeah. right where you were before. So it's, you know, Lord will, Lord will show you something, you know, he will show you a piece of the puzzle, but you know, you have to go back and just through life and the process, you you know, and submission and faithfulness, you have to, you know, just submit to that and just let him build that picture of what he showed you, you know. I mean, we, we received a calling that day. We, we received uh, just a higher, higher calling than, than I ever thought was possible for, you know, somebody who is from third world country somewhere, you know, and... Yeah, I always look at myself like that, you know, I was raised very poor. I don't have a spiritual pedigree. I was, I just tried to do what what I could most of my life, you know, and that was, that was my goal. That was what I believed in. And I, I'll tell you, God can do a lot of stuff with somebody that, that is just willing, you know, Amen. And when God, God, when God gives you a calling and he's calling everybody, you know, it, it doesn't matter if, if you're somebody's kid and your father is a pastor or you are a kid from country and you barely speak English or whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. God, God has a calling and he sees the heart, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, that's all over scripture. Like we, we see people who uh, were considered lowly, like Gideon, but also like Rahab the prostitute. When you like look at the how the Bible mentions her afterwards, yeah. uh, the Bible always talks about her in such a elevated position, and mm-hmm. how like and like uh, her life before that was of a place of very low uh, situation. Uh, but mm-hmm. afterwards, when she uh, you know got saved, uh, her and her family got saved. She became elevated in oh, yeah. the uh, Jewish faith, which is very, very interesting how someone of no reputation can be lifted and exalted because of their heart and desire to do the things of God. 
Yeah. Well, you know what? Elevation is not the problem. God can elevate, you know, and lift anybody. Staying humble in all of that, that is the, you know, that is the key. And I believe that, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people who were raised, you know, and they didn't have the, you know, the base. They didn't have the foundation, you know, and everything fell through, you know. So God is very interested in building character first. And then the rest of the stuff, you know, I read the scripture and when I read about David and who he was and who he became at the beginning, he, he really had a small beginning. He, it wasn't really memorable, you know, he wasn't really talked about, but where he ended his life and how he lived and, you know, the, the seal that he had and passion for the things of God, it, it, it really, you know, stuck with you. And, uh, and there is a scripture that I'm, reminded of and it says that david is saying and he's probably praying to god and he says who am i and who is the uh my house of my father that you lifted me so high i became a king from the peasant and when i turn back on my life and see where god brought me from and where he placed me you know it's it's really humbling you know because yeah I, in my wildest dreams, I couldn't imagine, you know, being where I am and, you know, just submitted to a great, great leadership, you know, having, having the people that really care about me and that want, wants to see me succeed and grow, you know, it's, it's really, yeah, but you also mentioned that, you know, I never turned back and I, I believe that is important, you know, God is going to be, give you a calling, he's going to, you know, give you all the things necessary. But scripture says that if you put your hands on a plow, plow, don't turn back. You know, there's no turning back. You know, if you really want want to be used, you have to have wisdom, of course, and everything. But you have to be sold out. You have to be all in, you know, I mean, on those things. And, you know, I, I had a lot of, you know, moments where, you know, the devil came and he was like, are you sure you're doing this? Like, do you realize the consequences of your actions you know especially at the beginning when you know god called us and we decided to stay in usa it was wild and i was 20 year old kid you know it's it's crazy you know and but sometimes i I found that sometimes for the to find the will of god you really have to be be and make if i can put it this way make unwise or stupid decisions in the eyes of men you know uncalculated or whatever you want to put it, you know, God, God often calls you and, you know, he gives you a seed, but it's up to you to nourish it. But other people don't see it, you know, may not see it, you know, but it's up to you to just stay persuaded in that, you know, just stay focused on your calling. Just, you know, Apostle Paul said it, I am persuaded that neither life nor death, you know, angels nor principalities, powers, things present, things future, doesn't matter, you know. And look where it took him. Yeah, he was zealous before. He had the knowledge of God. But when God struck him down and he received the gospel from Jesus, oh, man, that changed his life, you know. And after that moment, I don't see him ever turning back. Only thing he said about his past is that he counts it in vain. It's all trash, you know. That's what he said. And I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, it's it's really, you know, that's... Yeah. That's how we ought to, you know, live and strive to to achieve that, you know, persuasion. Yeah, I mean, it's really good, man. You're in the flow right there, brother. <laughs> um, 
something that really struck me, and I think uh, you brought it up in a conversation kind of like offhandedly, was that uh, you and your wife just got married like not too much before, like not too long before you moved uh, to the United States for that su- for the second summer that you stayed here. And then yeah. you were under the notion that at that time that you'd be coming back and you're seeing your family and all that stuff. It's very yeah. interesting. Uh, like, can you, uh, can you talk a little bit about that process and everything? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. So we got married three days before our flight to USA and we had all intentions to come back. We only packed summer clothes, you know, spend the summer. It was like consider honeymoon for us, you know, work a little bit, make some money, you know, enjoy, travel a bit and then go back, you know, never said but goodbye to our families. You know, we, we said, okay, see you in a couple of months, you know, we're, we're going to just enjoy our summer. And yeah, it was a crazy summer. And I, you know, God's calling comes and, you know, I just, we just didn't want to miss it because some, some things are once in a lifetime, you know, and you really have to treat things of God like that, you know, just give them value, you know, because God calls, called us and we knew we can go back and be successful and, you know, grow and make the kingdom better. But if we really decide to obey God's voice and answer the calling, it's going to cost us. And it did, you know, we, we haven't seen our family since it's been two years now, you know, <laughs> Like yeah. I said, came came with summer clothes and, you know, God changed our world, you know, turned it upside down. But he was faithful in all of that, you know. We just decided to trust him, you know, and trust in God's character, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, he is, he is what he says he is, you know. He's a provider, and I believe that, you know. It doesn't matter if we see it or no, you know. Even since then, you know, it's been a lot of difficulties and struggles. Just, you know, you're just... 20 year old guy who came in a different country, you know, like we, we didn't know how, how, how everything works around here. You know, we, we were really just two naive kids that decided to answer God's calling, but yeah, it's, it's paying off and it will pay off at the end, you know, but you know, still the process, that is the, that is the key to stay faithful in in that, you know, that is when the persuasion comes in the picture, you know, you just have to, you know, Preach what you believe and and just live it out after that, you know? Yeah. The the great thing is that, like, yes, there have been struggles, but the very cool thing is that you have had some great opportunities and blessings that the Lord has placed in your life. And the very cool thing is that you weren't doing it for the blessings of the Lord. You weren't doing it to gain anything in this life. Like, your reward was doing the things of God and spending—and making, like, your rewards were laid up in heaven— and the Lord was like, all right, I'm going to give you some now. You know, it's pretty yeah. awesome that, like, yeah. when you devote yourself to the purpose and the plan of God, that he will bless you in this life, but also he has something far greater laid up in the next. Yeah. Well, I mean, just just being here and, you know, as a kid, I used to listen to sermons, you know, preached at the general conference and around the churches here, and it was a dream. It was unachievable, something, okay, maybe in heaven, you know, I'm going to get to meet Bishop Chester Wright or, you know, spend spend some time with great men of God that I saw, you know, they were bigger than life itself in my eyes, you know, they were giants in faith, you know, 
And just, you know, church in, in Serbia is very different. You know, apostolic church in Serbia is very different. So, and I was always passionate about, you know, how things were done here and the passion and the power and demonstration that, you know, you could see over, over you know, camera, YouTube or whatever. You know, I used to listen to the sermons and it was all, you know, it wasn't even a dream because I couldn't afford to dream about those things because I knew I had. You know, it's never going to happen to a kid like me, you know. But, you know, God, God sees, you know, you know God, God sees your heart and, you know, he, he knows what, what's, what's inside you and he knows how to make it happen. And it's really, you know, it's really something. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just grateful, you know, I don't have words to put in. Just, it's, it's, you know, the leadership, the, the authority, you know, the power, the church, I mean, you know, it's just... Seriously, I I could couldn't dream of a better place, you know. It's just yeah. So and that's what happens when you answer the call, you know. He's yeah, of course, I'm my my final goal and you know is to know him and all my treasures are in heaven, but I've been blessed, you know, beyond measure in this life, you know. Yeah. And scripture says it, you know, you will gain hundred times fold. You know, in this life, and then in in the other one, you know, crown of glory, and that's what I'm striving for. You know. So you touched a little bit on um, Serbia and the religious climate there. Uh, can you uh, talk a little bit about that? Oh uh, yeah. So Serbia is the small country in Eastern Europe, country of about seven million, size of uh, size of probably something like Florida. And most of the people are Orthodox. And being Orthodox and being Serbian is one and the same. So somebody is born in Serbia. If he considers himself Serbian, then he doesn't really understand the concept of, okay, I'm different religion or something. You know, for Serbians, for example, even Catholics are considered a cult. Wow. They're they're that much that that you know passionate about their nationality and faith and it's one and the same, you know. The history was very tough on them. I'm a Slovak, I'm not a Serbian, and Slovaks are evangelical mostly. I was raised in Pentecost, but uh yes, uh Serbians are like really, really uh, they they join it together because of the history and the Ottoman Empire that was there and the Islam that was threatening the whole region. They just, you know, it was their ancestors' fate. So, you know, it's very traditional. Serbia was also part of the Yugoslavia, which was a communist country. And that spirit of communism, betrayal, tradition, it's just, you know, it's its visible. It's, it's like right in front of your eyes, you know. And uh, in an apostolic world there, there are probably like seven or eight churches in the whole country. And it's affected by it you know people haven't really stepped out in faith there's been a revival probably 30 40 years ago that everybody just speaks about you know oh yeah we did this we did that but in my generation yeah we really haven't seen almost anything that is in the book of acts you know there there is a lot of judgment there you know a lot of just super high standards that uh even the leaders cannot uphold, you know, and they're just pushing that on. Uh, yeah, it's just tradition, you know. We can we can summarize it like that. It's it's very traditional. A whole country and then the apostolic church, which is very small, 
in it also. So, yeah, it's... Yeah. Um, what do you think, uh, like, what does the next generation of apostolics uh, in Serbia look like? Well, that is a good question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really can't tell. I mean, I know people, they're, you know, I'm from that region, that country, so part of that mentality is manifested in my life, you know. Everybody there is just bold and zealous and, you know, People are all in if they have uh, what to believe in, you know. The problem is that uh, there is uh, not a lot to believe in, you know. People have disappointed, the country has disappointed, the government has disappointed, the spiritual authority has disappointed, you know. So really the for the young people, you know, they, ju- they just need a cause to believe in. And if there is a good enough cause, they, they will give everything for it, you know. So, I mean, I, I see uh, a, a revival there, but certain certain um, certain things have have to be uh, fulfilled before you know. Certain things need to happen before, so the people can really you know get a grasp on uh, on the truth and the authority that is in the apostolic church. And then uh, I see a I see a great revival but i mean we we've seen a lot of a lot of good stuff happening i was a uh, i was one of the youth leaders in my youth group probably 25 to 30 people like any given friday youth youth meeting and we've we've seen a lot of people you know just get the holy ghost and the passion was always there you know but that's that's only young people who you know who are young and zealous but there wasn't really a support from the leaders, you know, and that was really a problem back in the day. And because every, the old generation just wanted, wanted to stick to what they got. And I really see a bitterness there and just the spirit of the older brother, if I can put it that way from mm. Luke 15, you know, it's just, you know, oh, we've been always here. We know how it's done and this is what it's supposed to be and you're doing this and how can you accept these people and look at how he lived and, you know, just a lot of judgment in the church and I I just see that they build the walls around themselves and there is no gate, you know. Like there is not a lot of backsliders because people can't leave the church. The community is small. There is still a thing called public shaming, you know, and stuff like that so it's just a different climate different different mentality of the people you know if i can put it that way well it sounds like uh they are very close like they have all of the uh recipes it sounds like of a great revival and i have complete faith that all of that is going to happen and god's perfect will is going to be done there and Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if you have a large hand in that uh, has there been a moment in your walk with God that you look back to for strength and reassurance when things get difficult? I know that we talked about uh, that moment in the church service. Uh, is there any other situations like that that um, has brought strength and reassurance when times are difficult? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, God knew where I'm going to end up, you know, in life. And he was preparing me from the day I really started considering Christianity as a serious, you know, thing in my life and really turn myself to God. He, 
you know, from, I wasn't even baptized and I was already going through tough stuff, you know. In 2015, I decided I'm going to give my whole life to Jesus. I asked to be baptized. I had the Holy Ghost since I was eight years old. And I just never got baptized because, you know, I wasn't sold out. I wasn't sure. And I didn't see a lot of things in the church. But when after I came from one youth camp, me and my brother, we were like, okay, I mean, these things are real, you know, and we we saw a lot of good stuff and we just decided we were going to sell out. And we started the youth group back then and it was just a small number of people having prayer meetings, you know, oftentimes a couple times a week, you know. And then we asked to be baptized, but because we were meeting from the people from other apostolic churches in our in our town, leaders from, from our church didn't want to baptize us. And it's been over nine months of going back and forth. And, you know, you have to do this and you have to do that. And then we'll baptize you. You have to, you know, stop hanging with those people. You have to stop worshiping the devil with them, you know, and things like that. So the Lord was really, you know, it was, it was tough back then, but prayers and the fasting that we did back then and just, uh, you know, how we approach those things. I found a lot of comfort in that, that uh, with God's mercy and grace, I managed to survive that period with the help of the young people that I was surrounded with and, you know, managed to survive that, you know, bear in mind, I wasn't even baptized and preachers were preaching openly from the pulpit mentioning our names and stuff like that, you know, so it was really tough from, from the, from the get go for me, you know, I didn't find a lot of acceptance, you know, people always see me, have seen me as, a, you know, somebody who is leaning too much West, you know, too much liberal and stuff, you know, like things that are considered conservative here are liberal back, back home, you know, so. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the, it's, it, yeah, it was tough, but that was 2015, 2016 through, throughout those prayer meetings, you know, and I just go back in that, you know, and I know if I, if I survived that, without even being baptized, you know, and just God strengthening, strengthening me and giving me mercy throughout that period. You know, I can, I can do anything with Christ that is strengthening me. You know, I, I really believe that. Amen. So we've heard a little bit about, uh, the climate in Serbia and most of our listeners are in America. Hopefully, uh, some, uh, of your Serbian friends will hop on here. Um, how has the transition been from a third world country, Serbia, with that church climate to a uh, first uh, first world country like uh, America and the church here? <laughs> it's been tough, you know, like it takes courage and naiveness to make such a step and just, you know, but as I said, you know, trusting sometimes means being unwise, you know, and making those decisions in humans' eyes. And transition is never easy, you know. People are inclined to run from any change, you know, just stay in the comfort zone, just, you know. But God's been faithful throughout, you know, this tr transition and everything. But, like, culture is different. Church is different. Everything that, how people live, how they behave, how they talk, how they joke is totally different. This is not my native language. So first year was 
very very tough especially like around christmas time and everything you know you you spend the time with your family the most around those times and everybody's together so two years ago you know during the winter it was really like a tough tough period for us you know and we were just questioning everything you know just but never were willing to just give up but you know transitions are never easy but you have to trust God in all of that, you know. He 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 knows the process. He designed the process, you know. He's the master of it. And you just see some pieces and, you know, seasons that you go through. But it all leads to something. And that, that's what's been helping to us. But, <laughs> you know... It's it's funny when I look back because like I didn't know, I didn't know what's the what is social security number or you know what what is credit score you know like common things that people just take for granted here and just you know it's the way of life and you know it was all strange to us because you know we had no idea how how it functions here and how people are so it's been a lot of adjustments you know just understand the people, know what to joke about, what not to joke about, how to approach, you know, co common courtesy. It's it's very different, you know, in Serbia, you know, and things like that. But, you know, it, there's a lesson in everything in that. So, yeah. Um, Amen. Um, so you have, uh, and from what I've seen, you've actually acclimated into this country very well. Uh, you speak uh, you speak better English than most of the people I graduated high school with, so you know that's pre that's pretty nice. Uh, so it's nice that you've got like it's like the church community has made transitions like that very easy. I transitioned oh, yeah. out of 100%. the world into the church, mm -hmm. and that's kind of a night and day type of situation too, kind of different because I at least have yeah. the culture understanding of america but the church culture was completely the other mm -hmm. way so it was kind of just like oh yeah i did it this way okay i just have to do it this way it's different um mm -hmm. it's nice that you know you have a community of people of like mind uh like like-minded individuals who come together worship god lift each other up pray for each other it really makes oh, yeah. situations like that very easy and you've gotten uh, a lot of opportunities and spiritual mentors in your life who have uh, spoken mm -hmm. into you, guided you, yeah. equipped you. Uh, what pieces of advice, uh, I, I find it kind of a struggle to limit it to just one personally, what pieces of mm -hmm. advice from a spiritual mentor or mentors have stuck with you uh, throughout this time? Mm -hmm. Well, let me just go back a couple of steps. Like you said, you know, church has been a vital you know, element in our transition and, you know, stayed us and helped us, uh, helped us survive, you know, in, in the process and everything. And just, we've been sur uh, surrounded by great people here, and, you know, for which are we eternally grateful, you know, uh, but uh, I, Mike McGurk is the one, one guy that has always, always been there for us. You know, he helped us, you know, materialize everything that God spoke to us, you know, you know, make those dreams come true. And, you know, he was always just one of the guys we always knew that we can call in the middle of night. And, you know, he's been like, uh, my best friend here, my, my leader, my authority, my mentor, my father figure, you know, most of the time. So, you know, we've been talking about everything, 
But one of the things he said that had really stuck with me, you know, was that the uh, greatest test to a uh, man's character and maturity is when God can trust you with the uh, flaws of the of the leaders, you know. When you see a flaw in the leader and you're still willing to submit to them and trust God in all of that, you know, and without you getting offended and bitter and everything, you know. And he he spoke to me, spoke that to me probably a year ago now because he knew where I came from and my hurt and all the bitterness and pain that I carried with me because I was hurt from the leaders, you know, so, and he was just preparing me, but I, I really, I really, I really saw that, like, you know, just his heart for us in the process. So that's one of the things that I'm really keeping close to heart and just staying focused on, you know, it doesn't matter how it looks like everybody has flaws, you know, even in here and as great as the churches and the best leaders that I could wish for, everybody has flaws, you know, but a test to, to a man's character and maturity is when God can trust you with the flaws of the leaders and know that, that you won't get bitter, you know? So, and that, Amen. that has really tra- transformed my life, you know, and took me to another level of submission and, you know, something I never had back home in Serbia. So, yeah, that's that's one of the things that I, you know. Amen. Um, I I find that in my uh, personal studies, uh, God uh, illuminates uh, certain scriptures for certain seasons, and He will lead me into reading stuff uh, in mm-hmm. the Bible, but also outside of the Bible to build on leadership qualities and all that. Uh, what yeah. has the Lord been uh, leading you into study recently? Like, what have you been? Uh, reading and what has the Lord been like illuminating and talking to you about? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, like, the the book I read most these days is uh, I'm just reading to Ecclesiastes mm-hmm. and Nehemiah. Those two books are just, you know, on and off. I just go back to them. That's like my to go when I, I'm thinking, oh, where can I start my reading day and stuff like that, you know, I just naturally go, go there, you know, and I just find a lot of wisdom there in Ecclesiastes and uh, principles in Nehemiah are something that are, you know, they're life-changing to me. And I just, I just see myself there and I just love to read about the, the ancient wisdom, if I can put it that way, you know, Ecclesiastes 11 is one of my favorite chapters most of the Ecclesiastes, I would say, but yeah, 11, chapter 9, also um, just amazing, you know. And chapter 11 from verse 1 says that, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. You know? And as, as I was reading that, I was like, okay, I mean, you know, this, this sounds good. This is a sure deal. And I really like it, you know. <laughs> but after, as you continue reading, you know, problems come, you know, and Second verse, immediately after that says, Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. You know? And then it, it, it keeps going and going and going, you know. And verse six says, In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou, thou knowest not whether shall it all prosper, either this or that, or whether shall both of them be alike good, you know? 
and God just started speaking to me, you know, sometimes we are, we, we help hold back, you know, we see the climate, we see that the clouds are full of water, which the third or second third word speaks here, you know, and we, we hold back, you know, we don't, we don't sow because we see the climate is good, but you know, if we only live in the sense world and only natural, you know, we're never going to sow. And if we rely on that and just on our uh, natural ability to see things and discern things, you know, we're not going to have any corn in the crib, you know. Yeah. No no harvest in that, you know. So we really have to do everything that is possible, you know. Sow everywhere, you know. It says sow everywhere, sow in the morning, sow in the night, because you, you don't know what's going to prosper and what's not going to prosper, you know. I mean, yeah, some uh, some sow, some water, but God will always give the increase. That that responsibility is on Him. Yeah. It's our responsibility yeah. to sow and yeah. water. And if we don't Amen. sow or water, we're not doing our God-given uh, responsibility, our job. So uh, mm-hmm. who, who are we to say that, you know, tomorrow it's going to rain or tomorrow it's not going to rain? That's up to the yeah. Lord whether He's going to rain or not and what day He determines to rain. It's our responsibility Amen. to sow and to faithfully so at all opportunities mm-hmm. that we have. Do not hold up your mm-hmm. hand. Yeah, that's so yeah. good, man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, you know, that's what's keeping me, you know. Yeah. It's just... It, it, it's, it's a source of strength, and it kind of reminds you what your purpose is, and it kind of puts mm-hmm. all of this into perspective. I, I also just extremely love Ecclesiastes. It really, uh, I uh, when I first read it, I thought, well, this guy's really moody. And then I was like, well, yeah. I mean, if you're tra- if you're living in this earth and, you know, you have some experience in this earth, you understand that you really don't have any control and not every yeah. and then nothing's going to yeah. come follow you into the next life, whether you go to heaven yeah. or hell. It's not going to follow. Yeah. So yeah. might as well put your faith in the things that, you know, do continue, which at the end of Ecclesiastes, it's yeah. Jesus, you know, it's the Lord. So yep. put your yep. faith and trust in that and your treasures will be laid up in the next life. Yeah. Now we have a wonderful savior who speaks to us now and gives us things in this life, which I find it very interesting. Uh, we talked about the prodigal son uh, earlier and mm-hmm. something that really spoke to me is you see that one of the son, like, uh, so the, the man has his two sons, as we know, mm-hmm. one of them asks for all of his inheritance now and spends it. And he mm-hmm. comes back, you know, humbles himself, and there's a party, but he's already spent his inheritance. While the faithful yeah. son, he still has his inheritance. Now, uh, as children of God, the very cool thing is you and I, our inheritance is heaven, but the Lord mm-hmm. still blesses us in this life. So that mm-hmm. oh, yeah. um, not to get comfort or to say that I have achieved things or I have pleased the Lord, because it's because he loves us and he wants good things for us. And that's the whole purpose uh, why he does these things. So I just find it really cool, like how like both of that is true. Like this world is not uh, is destined to be destroyed. The things that God gives you in this life will not continue to the next life. But he still gives mm-hmm. it to you because he wants good things for oh, you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Very true. So we have come to the final question, which I really do uh, like this question. Um, what advice would you give the listener? Like what revelation 
would you say uh, that like the Lord has given you to share others to others? Well, what I would say to anybody else is what I say to myself every morning, you know, is just go out there and make it happen. Make mistake, fail, fall, you know, and just rise up and, you know, just keep going and make it happen and succeed. You know, we, we oftentimes just keep waiting for the right opportunity. You know, we keep waiting for those clouds, you know, well, you know, for the seasons to change for the, surroundings to change and everything you know but god is calling us and the time is now you know amen no the 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 time to to start giving us all of ourselves to the lord was yesterday you know the the time to do everything that is in our might for the kingdom was yesterday you know it's you know there is not enough days if i can put it that way till the coming of the lord you know if if we don't start now, you know, we're going to lose a lot of precious time for the revival that needs to happen through us, you know, in us first and then through us, you know, it just I wouldn't wait for another day. I wouldn't wait for the golden opportunity. I wouldn't wait for, uh, you know, angel of the Lord to come and speak to you or whatever. I would just go there, submit to your leader, asking what you can do and get your hands dirty, you know. Yeah, I mean... Can- Grab that plow and just never, never turn back. You know, that's just I, God what can I strongly use, believe in. God can use hands that are moving. He's, he can't use hands yeah. that are not moving. And this is Amen. all like a snowball effect. What seems small mm-hmm. at the top of the mountain, when you let that go, becomes a mm-hmm. massive avalanche. It started in, insignificant, but uh, with the momentum and the force, which ultimately is yeah. God in this situation, great things mm-hmm. happen. So that that's that's exactly what's gonna happen with you know the 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 remnant. The remnant was small and insignificant, but it had such a huge impact in Israel. Now that same thing is going to happen in the eleventh hour, this remnant of people who are yep. doing the work of the Lord by finding his purpose and uh, submitting yeah. to his presence and allowing his power to flow through us. Mm-hmm. that's that's well, you, that's what's going to happen yeah you said it beautifully you know small beginnings you know but you just have to s- start moving your hands you know do something and uh, zachariah 4 10 says do not despise these small beginnings for the lord lord rejoices to see the work begin you know he has delight in the small beginnings you know starting humble and then he will raise raise us up you know as we submit amen well, thank you, Brother Mike, for coming on to this show. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing what the Lord has done in your life. I definitely thank you for know, the invitation. Of course, I definitely know that this isn't going to be the last time this podcast uh, hears from you. Uh, so you and I will have to start talking about when the next time you can come back on. Um, well, God bless you. I will actually see you tonight. Thank you all for listening to this episode. I hope it blessed you. If you want to get a hold of me, you can reach out to me on Instagram at FOTRpodcast, or you could email me at jwhoffman, that's two Fs, one N, 322 at gmail.com. I will see you in the next episode. Bye.